Welcome to Wise Brussels Voices and our very first podcast series, What's Next for NATO in the Digital Age? This series is part of a project led by Wise Brussels with three other chapters, Wise DC, Wise London and Wise France, with the support of the US mission to NATO. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of these conversations were had online, resulting in sometimes unequal sound quality. I'm so excited to introduce you this podcast series, which is the result of a project launched by Wise Brussels in the fall of 2019, with a number of other Wise chapters around the world to give young women a voice on key international security issues. My name is Florence. I'm 20 years old, French, and I work for CIS, a strategic intelligence consultancy specialized in sector of national sovereignty. And I've been a member of WISE Steering Committee for just over a year and a half. The consortium was made of WISE chapters in Brussels, France, UK, and Washington, D.C. Here's Michelle from Washington, D.C. Hi, my name is Michelle Shevankotsi, and I'm the president of the WISE DC chapter located in Washington, DC. I've been involved with WISE since founding the university chapter at the George Washington University in 2012. And outside of WISE, my background is working in European defense policy at think tanks in DC and in Europe. We initially came up with this idea to have an essay contest in the lead up to the 2019 leaders meeting in London. But given the timing, we ended up shifting toward a model of first soliciting individual applicants, sponsoring them to travel to London uh, in order to participate in both NATO engages and wise sponsored programming, and then pairing them up to write policy briefs on a particular topic that interested them from their time on the trip. So that way we could deepen individual relationships first and then promote that cross-collaboration across our various WISE chapters. It's really hard to believe that over a year has passed since we were having those initial calls and drafting the project to submit it as a proposal. Um, and I think a number of us wanted to find ways to collaborate across WISE chapters because there is such a strong network across the globe, but oftentimes we only focus on our individual cities and strengthening the relationships within them. So we really wanted to work with not just one other WISE chapter, but multiple. And it was the WISE Brussels team that suggested applying for funding through a grant from the U.S. mission to NATO. Jessica, from WISE France. I am currently head of international communications for the Paris region, a nonprofit government agency. Prior to this, I worked five years in the army where I served as an officer and then as head of public affairs for the German Marshall Fund of the United States, a transatlantic think tank. I am currently the Secretary General and Head of Communications of Women in International Security France. Members of our chapters thus decided to join efforts at distance, and we crafted a joint proposal entitled What's Next for NATO in a Digital Age? The proposal was based on a blog post competition to gather the most innovative ideas under the theme, What's Next for NATO? A theme which outlined a vision for NATO's role in an age of digital disruption and looked at what NATO might well look like 70 years from Octavia now. Octavia came in too to support Wise France. 
Hello, my name is Otavian Puero. I'm 25 and I'm a recent graduate in the fields of international relations and security studies. And I was also part of the executive committee in charge of overseeing the review and selection of the top submissions. Armida was a key point of contact from Wise UK, since that was where NATO engaged summit took place. Hi, everyone. My name is Armida van Rij. I'm a research associate uh, at the Policy Institute at King's College London, where I work on defence and security policy. But outside of that, I'm also a member of WISE UK and uh, I'm on the leadership team of that. So we do the uh, the day-to-day -day running of WISE UK. So my role was mainly focused on getting everything sorted in London, finding venues. So on the first day um, of this, this trip, everyone went to the NATO Engages we wanted our participants to meet various different people who work across defense and security from think tanks, government, the private sector, etc. So for the evening of the NATO Engages Summit, we organized a social with um, Jessica Cox, who is the director of nuclear policy at NATO, and Ulrike Franke, Dr. Ulrike Franke, who is a research fellow or policy fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations and works on drones. Um, so that was a really great way, a more informal way for the participants to network a bit more with people who are generally based in London and, and Europe as well. I've learned so much from the participants. Um, one of the best ways was from reading and editing their policy papers because they each took a unique approach. And I think the way the pairs organized themselves also lended to this. I think the most rewarding thing was simply seeing how many great female candidates there are with strong backgrounds and experiences in uh, the fields of cybersecurity, technology, artificial intelligence, defense policy. It really gives me a lot of hope. This is really great, you know, working with people from other chapters, seeing how they do things. And this is really fun to, to meet people who you might have had contact with years ago and then be involved with them through WISE. So in December 2019, I joined the gang in London and met the candidate. He there are now. I'm Claudia, 30 years of age. I'm a security and defence researcher at the Institute of International European Affairs, the IIEA, based in Dublin. Uh, so I focus a lot on European defence cooperation and increasingly there's, there's a focus on EU-NATO interoperability. I come from an interesting angle in that Ireland is not a, a NATO member, uh, but it has this very unique relationship with it through the Partnership for Peace over 20 years. And so that's very much focused on a lot more kind of exchanges and, and learning through good practices. But there is more focus now on the cyber domain for us. Uh, so there's, there's a real stake for us in, in learning from others too. So my name is Isabel Rocha. I'm French. Uh, I've been living in Brussels for about 15 years now. I've been studying and, and studying my career in, in the defense industry and I moved over to digital policy, looking at EU affairs and transatlantic relations. I'm working for an industry association which is called BSA, the Software Alliance. Um, so we represent leading software industry and we our job is really to um, inform public policy making across the world on issues that are impacting the way our companies are, are operating. So be it cybersecurity, data privacy, data flows and emerging technologies um, such as artificial intelligence, for example. And so I joined Wise Brussels a few years ago um, because I thought it was important to have that kind of, of network and to support that kind of, uh, of initiative in the, in, in the city as well. Hi, I'm Kulini Abendroth-Diaz. 
Um, I identify as half Sri Lankan, half German. Um, I'm currently based in Brussels and a part of WISE Brussels, the Women in International Security. I'm a behavioral scientist or a behavioral economist or social psychologist, whatever you like to call it. I have a background in um, conflict and peace building and I use machine learning to really understand the spread of disinformation and how certain types of information networks and the spread of certain types of information can influence certain types of behavior and actually lead to the perpetration of violence in some extreme cases, but also can lead to certain types of political participation, political behaviors. I received my master um, in social psychology from Princeton University, and then I went on to work as a behavioral psychologist, behavioral scientist for the United Nations Development Program and then the United Nations Peacebuilding Secretariat. I worked in Sri Lanka um, in the aftermath of the 2019 um, terror, terror attacks as well. That was an interesting experience. And um, I'm now back in Brussels and I'm doing a second Master of Science in um, European Economics, Monetary and Fiscal Policy, as well as Counterterrorism, External Relations and Security. My name is Caroline Kiefer. I'm a captain in the German Armed Forces. I'm in the maintenance and logistics branch. At the moment, I'm stationed in Strasbourg at the Eurocorps, and I'm the technical officer of the support battalion. Um, I've studied mechanical engineering for my officer training, and um, I've been to Iraq to the mission there, and I've worked in the military for over 10 years now. So I'm Nadia Kowalczyko. I uh, work at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. What we do is we help governments and also other actors develop strategies to counter foreign authoritarian interference in democracy. My name is Gabby Torini. I am an American living in Washington, D.C. I am a policy analyst at the Rand Corporation. Um, and in this role, I conduct research and analysis for the U.S. government on a range of national security topics. Prior to RAND, I um, was a grad student at the Kennedy School, where I wrote my master's thesis on uh, reforming U.S. security cooperation uh, mm -hmm. to reduce civilian harm. Um, and prior to the Kennedy School, I was um, a research associate at the James Martin Center for Non-Proliferation Studies, where I was primarily working on nuclear policy issues and weapons of mass destruction. I asked the candidate why they applied to the program at the first place. I lived in a few different European cities before, in Paris, Brussels and Vienna. Uh, WISE France wasn't set up at that stage, but I was um, a member in WISE Brussels mm -hmm. and was attending a number of the events. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved on to Austria, we were reviving the old chapter that just had, had gone quiet a bit because there was transition. So uh, we were involved in you know, steering that. And it really opened me to the activity of the Women International Security Network, the value of it for women in the security and defense field to identify themselves, to be a mentee or mentor. So, so there was that, first of all, so it was on my radar from that front. Um, but I also wanted to lean in a bit and, and hear more in discussions within NATO. I think being an outsider, you, you have a kind of interesting um, perspective as well because you don't come with let's say, the certain baggage that, that other states might have because they have very formed views and perspectives because they've been in the discourse for longer. So um, so I really wanted to kind of tap into that. And I think the discussion 
you know, on, on values and on digital transformation that we saw in the last day, two days really, um, with briefings and NATO engages, reflects a lot of the discussion that's in the EU. You know, they're really not siloed. There's a lot of overlap. So it, it, it was very relevant for my own work. There are many, many reasons why this project was really attractive to me. Uh, I think, first of all, having the idea of a woman-led and woman-sponsored uh, participation in such a, a forum that is traditionally perceived perhaps more as a male-dominated sector and industry and, and institution was extremely important to me on a, on a personal level. From a slightly more professional aspect, um, the idea to take part in, in quite a selective event, which is really at the heart of NATO's outreach, uh, was, was quite interesting and, and fascinating. There was a mix of civil society, industry, academics, and so the idea of having all those folks in the same room for a day and having another programming day just after, which was very, very focused on, on NATO, its reflection on its mission, its environment. Um, this seemed to me both timely and, and a real learning experience uh, for me. And it turned out to be a, a really, really exciting adventure. Kulani on Rodriguez. Even during the NATO Engages um, event, uh, Justin Trudeau talked about how it's so important to have diverse voices in international security. And this has to be women, this has to be people of color, people of very diverse backgrounds. Because, um, as he said, if you have the same type of people from the, who went to the same school, who went to the same, um, who have the same background, same gender, crafting policy around international security, you're, you're going to have the same type of thinking. Caroline, based at Orocor in Strasbourg. I have not been to in the Weiss chapter for that long, mm -hmm. but what I recognized is that there are not so many female soldiers present. And that was my first and initial thought to say, hey, there is much that I can actually offer to the other lovely ladies. Natka Kovaliskova. I thought this was a wonderful opportunity to, to be at the place where things are happening, deciding. Uh, this is, I think, one of the historical moments, uh, not only for the UK, but also for the Alliance, for the European Union, and for the people who follow these issues as I do. Gabrielle from the US. The NATO Engages meeting yesterday um, and the meetings today feature just, you know, the, the top experts um, in transatlantic security. Um, and it was just an outstanding group from across Europe and North America. And as an American, um, I don't often get to surround myself with in-person people uh, from the European space. Um, so that was a really exciting opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then also the second piece, um, and perhaps the most more important piece, was to build relationships with mm -hmm. um, other women across the Atlantic um, who are equally interested in NATO issues. Um, and for me, who's coming at this kind of from the, the beginning of my career, early career, mm -hmm. um, I really appreciated the opportunity for mentorship and learning with the other women here and the experts on the panel. So I think both the substance and the relationships were uh, really important pieces of this event for me. I asked the candidate about the interest in new technologies. Isabel Rocha. French base in Bruxelles. It was really interesting for me to explore how innovation is being factored into, again, NATO's reflection as it celebrated its 70th anniversary. During the course of the program, there were many, many sessions where a lot of the issues that I work on in the civilian area were, were very heavily discussed. 
in the day of programming. So in terms of the benefit, that, that was one that I was expected to gain. And it's, it's one that I, I really took uh, away from, from this day. Ultimately, there's a lot of aspects that are common to the defense world and the civilian world in which I operate. And that, that came across in the, at the conference as well. I think the two worlds don't necessarily interact that much. My perception of, of NATO was a lot more obviously defense-oriented, but also less perhaps open to some of those uh, problematics. And I enjoyed the fact that during the NATO Engages event, it, there was a lot of commonalities and a lot of, of um, synergies between those two worlds. And for me, the interest comes from, again, a professional interest because I've been working on, on both sides, so to speak, of the coin. I come from a family of, of officers in the, in, in the armed forces, and so there is a sweet spot for, for me in, in, in that sense. Kurani specialize in a artificial intelligence. Future and emerging technologies aren't static. They are rapidly evolving. They are being developed by people from very diverse backgrounds and not coming from the same places that they used to. And the form is also very different. Um, so the method of how our societies are currently under threat are very different and evolving. We can go into this a little bit later, but my current research is on future and emerging technologies and the development of these technologies within Germany and their implementation in uh, the Visegrad Four. But this is also inspired by the fact that we need to look at from, from a very diverse way, where is the money going? And what types of technologies are being developed? And are we being reactionary? Are we just responding to threats? Or how can we preempt and deter certain types of threats, which, is, which falls within the mandate of NATO? I also think it's very important for organizations just wise to exist. Because it's not easy, frankly speaking, it's not easy for women in international security to make their voices heard. It was clear where Caroline's interest in defense came from. She's a soldier, after all. Here she's telling more. Well, the title of NATO Engages was Innovate the Alliance. And I know that for the German army or all armies around the world, they're tapping into AI and they're tapping into new technologies. But... For me, the substance behind that is really lacking the scientific background. And as I said, I'm a mechanical engineer. So during my studies, I actually came across courses of artificial intelligence and robotics. And what I'm absolutely missing is the question of how to integrate the operator, the soldier on the ground, who actually has not only a background, but maybe just an idea on what they might need from the new technology side. But because we talked about having, okay, the policymakers and the policymakers reaching out to the industry, to new think tanks and to new startups, mm -hmm. but actually there might be even more capabilities or even ideas within the own company, within the military already. Natka? So I find particularly interest, interesting the uh, changing uh, nature of the information space. And uh, after my doctorate, um, I also wanted to uh, work more on the policy responses and how the knowledge that exists or that also is uh, evolving and what we are learning uh, from our experience from technological uh, advancement, uh, how we can uh, integrate that into the um, policies that impact the, uh, the whole society. So I'm very much interested in 
how the information space is manipulated and how we can uh, protect our citizens, our um, governments from interference into the information space, into the processes and institutions uh, that are democratic and that are, uh, are based on the democratic values from interference from authoritarian regimes or uh, in any way making sure that the systems are uh, not only resilient, but also just evolving as the technology evolves. So we integrate that advancement into our processes, the way we think as well, and that we adjust our mindsets uh, as we adjust our capabilities. Gabrielle. When I was at the Kennedy School, I worked as a research assistant at the Belker Center for Science and International Affairs. Um, and there I helped two former U.S. ambassadors to NATO with a report called NATO at 70, which examined you know, 10 challenges and 10 recommendations that the Alliance is going to face in the future. And one of the big pieces of this was how NATO needs, uh, can maintain its military edge and how it needs to adapt to the future of warfare. Um, and so I was really interested in kind of digging deeper into that subject at NATO Engages and in the meetings today to kind of flesh out more specific um, recommendations and more specific insights about this topic because I don't really have a technical background. Mm-hmm. So it was great to be able to um, be surrounded by women today and speakers yesterday. What did the laureate take away from the experience? Isabel? Because the two worlds are looking essentially at the same issues but from a different angle, I think there is a lot more to be gained from bringing the two worlds together. And that probably should be done at the various levels, right? If you want to look at sort of the strategic level, what does that mean for NATO's mandate? Uh, looking at it from a maybe more uh, infrastructure operational level, how does new technology like AI or blockchain or, or 5G actually impact the way NATO is going to conduct its operations or how the organization is, is approaching um, its, its operations. I, I found that really, really interesting. And it, it, I think there's a lot of food for thought in, in terms of, again, how do we bring the two worlds together, even though there may be misunderstanding, there may be misinformation, there may be friction when the two worlds get together. But there is certainly a lot to be gained from, from this type of exchange. It's also about where is the spending going? And also, do you have the mandate of the people who want to increase your defense spending? Because if your voting patterns change, and if people don't believe, believe in NATO, and if people don't believe in these types of structures, then you're really not going to go anywhere. But it would be much more helpful if the folks that you want to engage with actually believe in your cause. And how do we do this? We can talk to certain types of audiences, talk to certain types of populations, understand what types of technologies are out there that can be used to influence people's behavior. And this can be done on a large scale. We talk about the cyber architecture, but what does a NATO deterrence policy on cyber attack attacks look like? And this needs to happen with uh, people talking to each other, policymakers talking to technocrats and to um, developers. It was quite impressive that uh, there was a statistic that was uh, shared that more than 50 or 50% or more than 50% of the population of the attendees were under the age of 40. This was good because, I mean, if NATO needs to stay active and agile and engage, it needs to engage, you know, these types of populations. But number two, um, I think that one of the main things that I took away from the, the event mm-hmm. was that um, 
we need more people talking together on stage and learning together on stage about what technologies are available to them. Because I understand, of course, I'm sure, you know, and NATO officials know what type of technologies are there. But it's just kind of, uh, there's a huge startup hub, the second biggest startup hub in Europe. I mean, the first is in the UK, the second is in Berlin and Germany. So many technologies are coming out, but they're being developed sometimes in uh, separately from, and there's a detachment of what is available and what the policymakers actually know. And on, there's only very few uh, types of startups which have the capacity to actually pitch to organizations such as NATO, right? And so I think we need more people on stage actually talking in a language that is accessible to people, because of course there's certain terms you use that maybe people are like, nope, don't understand this, not going to listen to this, machine learning, what is that? Is that Terminator style? You know, no, 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 no. We can use a technology for simulations, but what does, we need to go beyond the buzzwords. What does simulation actually look like? Are we simulating certain types of populations? Are we, are we simulating um, military operations? It's not, warfare is not necessarily about tanks, moving tanks anymore. It is an important uh, aspect of it, but we need to talk about the complexities of climate change affecting migration, affecting international security, in, impacting swarming technologies, the dronization of the, of the borders. We need to talk about this, not just on the policy level, but concretely with, for lack of a better word, techies on stage. Because, for example, we always talk about building resilience within our populations to, uh, so that they're not vulnerable to disinformation. What does that mean? Like, you know, I mean, I even asked a question uh, at NATO Engages, what does building resilience actually mean? Um, and then, of course, when people think counter-narratives. There's a good body of research to show that counter-narratives, that's not how our psychology actually works. If we are confronted with however strong narrative that goes against our pre-held beliefs, we're just going to reject it. So, for example, if we think that a certain organization or a certain type of entity shouldn't exist, and we are told, no, it should exist because of X, Y, and Z, doesn't matter, we're not going to believe it. So, counter-narratives are not necessarily, we reject them um, cognitively. So how, so, how can we go beyond that? And one thing that came up actually very interestingly after the event today, with the wise, uh, wise discussions we've had so far, one of my main takeaways from this actually was that uh, we were lucky enough to have some of the speakers who were at, at NATO engages. I think it was Nicola Hudson, and we were talking about this with her. We need to um, illustrate and demonstrate to the population what we lose if we actually don't have certain voices coming up and certain strategies. And um, if, we, if we don't talk about the, uh, concretely the type of resilience that we need to build as well. Caroline, the captain of the team. There were not enough soldiers at the mic. So based on all of it, what would you like to focus on in your paper? Clota Kane. Um, I'm very interested to, to kind of look into more about the Nordic kind of holistic models of digital resilience. Um, Ireland is kind of very in a unique position where it has a very tight-knit community. And that's quite critical when it comes to um, having a cyber secure, cyber aware society. The human aspect is, is really needs to be at the core of cyber security. So I think I, I want kind of to look at something that's 
relevant to, to my own country, but that also kind of reflects what's the, the dynamics that are going on in Europe and globally too. Isabel Rocha? Looking at the theme of, of NATO engages, whereas around innovation, around that digitization, I want to focus on that and perhaps looking a little bit more into 5G more specifically. Um, what kind of pressure does it put on infrastructure, on uh, new capabilities, um, again, strategic and geop- geopolitical aspect of, of 5G, I think would be uh, one area that I'd like to, uh, to go into deeper. Kudani. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in looking at cyber architecture building within NATO. So what does that mean? A, the, de- the economics of the development of AI and machine learning within the startups um, society in, um, within Germany, how much discussion there is between the startup scene and organizations such as NATO. Very interested in this. So how much do they actually work? And then, you know, you have certain types of technologies that are developed in Germany, but they're implemented in um, Slovakia or in um, Poland. How does, and how does that work? So there's from development to implementation, because there are so many cyber uh, threats that Poland and uh, cyber attacks that Poland has faced, that Slovakia has faced, that the Czech Republic has faced. Caroline Kriefer? Well, it relates a little bit to the, the lessons learned and my concern to actually see um, how many programs are out there to tap into potential in military applications and actually connect soldiers with the military leadership in a much better way than they were doing it right now. Because if we are talking innovating the alliance, I say we can also innovating the way that we are innovating the alliance. <laughs> Natka. I would like to build on what we have learned and something that can contribute to further conversation, shaping, framing the conversations uh, in the security sector, looking at the hybrid threats, what we need to implement, what are the policy responses that are actionable, uh, look at it in a, uh, in a time frame of being more strategic. And uh, I would uh, still like to share this as this will be a coordinated effort, as I understand, uh, with uh, at least one more person. So I'm looking forward to have to having that um, uh, common uh, approach to the topic that we agree on. Gabrielle, based in DC. I'm interested in examining more in more detail the you know more the more concrete impact that. Um, advanced technology are going to have on the balance of power and the military balance between NATO and its competitors. Um, And also kind of, you know, as different allies are procuring and developing and deploying advanced technologies, like what are the potential issues with processes and deployment of this advanced technology? So for example, some allies are developing offensive cyber capabilities, some are not, you know, alliances, the allies have clearly shown that they're approaching 5G in different ways. Mm-hmm. So what are the what is the potential impact on alliance cohesion and how they're going to work together to both procure, um, but also deploy and develop processes, alliance processes around these technologies. So now you've met the people behind the project. The next episodes will focus on three papers, which you can now read online. You'll find a link in the episode description or simply visit www.wise.org.
Thanks for listening to this episode, which was co-produced with Free Range Productions. We hope you liked it. Let us know what you thought on Twitter at WISWIIS Brussels or by commenting directly via your podcast platform. 